Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Summit Up podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so excited about today's conversation. If you are listening to this and you've enjoyed previous episodes, go ahead and take a chance and share episodes with a friend. Tag us on social at Summit Salon or at Lake Reed Evans. And if you feel so inclined, uh, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or leave us a rating on Spotify. With that, I am so excited to be joined today by Chad Foss, who is a Summit Salon Business Center consultant. And I'm really excited about today's conversation, particularly because Chad made a really big life change where he (laughs) sold his salon. And that's what we're going to jump into today. So Chad, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks, Blake. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk and I'm really excited to be on this podcast today. Yeah, I, I, it was really cool because when you and I were in Austin in November for the summit retreat and for our friends listening, the summit retreat is just for any SSBC employee. We get together and we do personal development, professional development, just come together as a, as a summit family. And you and I were talking that you had sold your salon recently. So let's just jump into that first. Why did you sell your salon? That's a great question. So we, it actually, we made this decision, honestly, in 2020, we had just had a little boy and we wanted a, just a little bit more flexibility because we were kind of in the position to be one and done. And we wanted to be closer to family. My relatives live in Oklahoma. So during the pandemic, we just had kind of a, a come to Jesus with ourselves. So ultimately that was the decision. The salon was actually very successful. We were doing very, very well. We just made that decision to have a little bit more work-life balance because as we all know, it takes a a village to raise a kiddo. So (laughs) totally. Yeah. I mean, and you're touching on something that I think is one thing that we're huge about at at Summit, which is being able to put your life first. So where was your salon located? Where were you living? Yeah. So we lived in Bismarck, North Dakota. We had built the salon in 2013 from the ground up in a downtown location. Uh, fun story at that time, there was a big oil boom and there was really no commercial space, but my wife's salon was actually going to get demolished to expand their civic center. So she wasn't going to have a job and we had recently gotten married. So we were like, well, she's got to find a location. And I had this crazy idea that I've always wanted to own my own business. So we searched and searched and searched. And the only place that was reasonably priced that we could afford was in a second story location in our downtown. It was a brand new building. We knew that there was going to be some challenges, but you know, we honestly loved it. We took probably a year to research out and find a good location, find the right team. So we owned it for seven years before we sold it. It was a great run. We didn't actually start the summit program until a year after we opened. I had cherry picked the systems a little bit. Absolutely loved what summit was saying, but I just wasn't fully invested. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, when we fully invested went to the seminar, grabbed a coach. We grew 125% our first year. So wow. we, we just took that leap of faith that we coached to all the time. And the end story is we were able to sell a very, very successful salon. Yeah, that's awesome. It was a very, very hard decision. It was definitely a going back and forth. Some of us grew up where our parents were sometimes absent and we just didn't really want that. We just knew we were kind of missing something when, when that pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of deciding like, hey, where do our priorities are now with the little one? But we knew we wanted our salon to be successful. And if we would have moved and still owned the salon, it wouldn't have been right for our team. So we wanted somebody mm-hmm. to, to be there 100% of the time to make sure our team was taken care of when we did, made that decision to sell. 
Yeah, because I can imagine that being hard because when you build up a, a salon company and as a lot of our friends listening can relate, it's like they're like a second family to you. And particularly, I think in the summit, the way that we do things, we end up raising our own employees from school all the way up to being successful service providers. So how did your team react whenever you told them that you were selling? Were they surprised or were they expecting it? Yeah, I mean, it's always tough because change is very, very hard, right? When we say this to someone all the time, sometimes high emotion brings a little bit low intelligence. Mm -hmm. The way we decided to do it is we didn't want to put more stress on them. Was it the best decision? I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of stylists have stayed at Bombshell mm -hmm. now that we've left, but we decided to inform them when the time was right, when we had the right owner. We actually had it on the market for over a year. And what ended up happening is we sold it to our salon manager at the time. We actually hired her the January of 2020. And she was just a great asset to the company. And about three months later, we were actually going to make her a shareholder. And, you know, we just kind of talked to her one night and we're like, hey, would you be interested in owning the whole thing? We were going to offer you some shares. She was there the entire way being supportive while we were shut down. And we had a couple other offers off-market offers that really weren't part of the salon industry. And we just knew that she would be a great fit. But our team, you know, some of them didn't take it very well. Some of them understood. At the end of the day, I think we do get messages that they did understand that we're doing it for our family. But I would be lying if I said there wasn't a little bit of emotion involved. But once the dust settled and they knew that they were going to be taken care of, it was definitely a good decision. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine it being scary for the service provider, but, you know, there are thousands of service providers who just abandoned their salon owner during the pandemic uh, yeah. as well. So <laughs> it, it's just this time it was a salon owner who was making a decision that was right for themselves. And just like those service providers, like that moved or changed careers or went to a different salon or a suite or whatever, you know, everyone made the decisions based on themselves. And I think that's some of the magic that's coming out of the pandemic is, you know, people making the right life decisions for them. But sometimes when you make decisions for yourself, it can piss off some people along the way and that's on them. That's the, I mean, I think that's exactly, and you hit it right on the head, Blake. Like, I think, you know, we talk about this as someone a lot too, is, you know, I think the pandemic did fast track a lot of things. So maybe a lot of emotions, a lot of decisions, just a lot of clarity on what you want as a person, mm -hmm. what your happiness is, you know, what your goals are. Those, those all got adjusted and fast-tracked during the pandemic because at that time, you know, we're such busy buddies in our industry that we like to be busy. We like to be loved where we had some time to ourselves to really reflect and get back to what some of our core values are, what means most to us, what we're taking for granted, and where can we move forward and set new goals for ourselves mm -hmm. and take care of ourselves. So. The, that's one thing I, I agree with you, Blake, that we fast-tracked and really did a lot of rationalization of what we want, right? And what we love and what we want to be a part of. So, yeah, I think it takes an incredible amount of emotional maturity to be able to come to a decision like that because your decision does impact, you know, all, all those other service providers. So how many people did you have working up on show um, whenever you sold? We had 13 service providers at the time. Amazing. So, yeah. So it was, uh, we had a um, couple front desk and we were all full service salon. We didn't have any spa services. So it was all stylists. So we had a couple that had been up with us since the beginning. And we had just even hired a couple associates on right before the pandemic as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we were a very busy salon, very successful salon. One of the top salons in our town. 
it was a very hard decision, but we just wanted to make sure if we made that decision that we were going to put them in good hands with a great leader. They actually were able to move locations to a bigger locations because she's wow. been able to grow that team very, very well. So that's amazing to hear that now to rewind a little bit about the decision, you could have just stayed the owners and moved because you had a great manager in place and you could have just compensated her well for essentially running it because you could have done all the back end stuff from afar. Your wife could have even done technical training virtually. What made you not stay an active shareholder or be an owner at all from, from a distance? You know, that's a great question. I know, you know, with leadership within our salon companies, what I know to be true and what I've just experienced, it's better to have hands-on experience because every day could be a little bit different and you need mm -hmm. somebody there that does have full control. I actually have a couple of salons that I coach that do have virtual managers that are transitioning other managers. So it's, a, that's a great plan of attack Blake. We just felt that we wanted to have somebody in place there full time without mm -hmm. having any outreach. Um, not saying that that wouldn't work for another salon company, but we just kind of wanted to rewrite a new chapter with no loose ends and give the responsibility to somebody that would take our brand that we created from the ground up, which honestly was a family member to us. Building that salon company was blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> Everybody knows a salon owner at any moment, the water line could break. There's a leak. There's something going on that you just need somebody there. Um, that yeah. could be a decision maker too, that doesn't have to go through two or three other people to make a decision. I think that's very selfless of you too, because the other option that you had was like, you know, making that love your, your the man or the now owner of bombshell, who was your manager at the time, making them a shareholder, you know, and you, you could have split the salon up in whatever way that would have worked for, for you and your wife and still had an active owner on site while you, while you staying virtual. And I think that that is still, it's selfless for the team, I think in the grand picture of things, because I've seen it within salon companies where they have an offsite owner and it's just not as, it's just different. And I think it, there are organizations who do it really well, but they're really, really well structured. Like the systems and the processes that are in place are really insane and thorough and very black and white. I think that's hard to establish. It is right. And in my eyes, you know, only being in business seven years, I, that's a baby company. That's a really mm -hmm. small company. So, you know, that's just the way that we kind of decided to do it, but you're absolutely right. I've seen salons that use that can be run remotely and it's just done a little bit differently where the, the owner's still tied into the business. So there's different mm -hmm. varieties of doing it. And we just decided to go in that direction. So yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So how do you know how much your salon is worth? After the break, we hear how Chad sealed the deal. Do you ever get overwhelmed when you think about all the digital strategies that your company could be engaging in to be a market leader? Do you ever feel like your team knows more about social media and SEO than you do? The Social Digital Summit is a three and a half day immersive learning experience that dives deep into the ways that Google, our website, social media, and online booking create a powerful and seamless digital brand that will attract new guests and help your team better their best. I teach these strategies to salons and I actually use them in my own salon company and I can tell you from experience, you can master these social digital strategies. This is an incredible three and a half days, and I know you will get so much out of this experience. Visit summitsalon.com slash calendar to learn more and register today. 
And we are back with Chad Foss, who owned and then sold Bombshell Salon. So I'm sure everyone now is wondering, like, how do you know how much your salon is worth? Because I've seen, you know, places where you can buy salons, where Mm -hmm. these people are just astronomically pricing the value of their business. And I could venture to say that it's probably an emotional response because you've built this business, it's your baby, but at the end of the day, the numbers never lie. <laughs> so yes. how, how do you value your business? That's, that is a great question. So for me being just a big nerd and a numbers guy, my wife has been doing hair for 20 years. So, you know, if she could have sold it for a million dollars, she absolutely would. And I wouldn't blame her for as much blood, sweat, tears as she put into the business. But the first thing that I would say is it takes a little bit of patience. You have to be a profitable business at the end of the day. What I would suggest, and this is just coming from me, is you need at least three years of profitability because no one's going to buy your debt. You know, and there's no judgment. We don't judge at all. But if you're looking to sell your salon, it needs to be something where it can run by itself without you there. Because in most cases, when you do sell the salon, you're going to be either not part of it at all or not part of the business. So you have to have systems and programs in place to where it runs itself, which takes a lot of patience and a lot of time and a lot of on-purpose action within your salon company. And you know, you have to be profitable at the end of the day. So the first thing I did is, I I mean, every other year I was getting a a salon evaluation done, you know, shameless plug, but through our financial services, I had a, a evaluation done every other year to see where our, what our salon was worth. Right. So. That's the first thing I did. And then if I didn't like that number, I knew we had to work harder or up our goals to make sure that it could be at a number that we want. Um, One thing that is also very true is we have an evaluation done, but the banks aren't going to give you what the whole salon is worth. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, so let's say your salon is worth 250000 Your bank might only loan you maybe $100,000 of that. So mm-hmm. you really have to either be saving up money to own that business or have some kind of program or financial assistance available to own, own that business. So that's, that's the first step is you got to have patience and you have to, the second step is you got to be profitable for at least two to three years. And then you need to get an evaluation done to see what it's worth. So you take that emotional attachment out there. So that way you also get the right buyer in there. Mm-hmm. You know, a salon is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. You know, at the end of the day, you have to be having programs and systems in place that it can run without you there. We see time and time again, salon owners that are 40 to 60% of the service sales business in there. So if you stop working behind the chair, that's 40 to 60% of the valuation that's gone from your business. You got to have good business practices in place. Yeah, that's a, that's a really huge point. Cause I think that a lot of salon owners forget about that, that they are often the breadwinner in terms of service dollars. So, you know, any good business person would be like, hold on. Yeah. You're doing $50,000 a month in services, but 20 of them are you, you know? (laughs) So immediately you have to to subtract that from the valuation of the organization. Right. So luckily for my wife, we've always had a plan where she would slowly, she loved working behind the chair, but the idea is we didn't want her to be the clutch. Right. So she Mm -hmm. was only maybe I want to say like top three. So we knew that, you know, that was a good strategy. You don't want to be the main breadwinner of a salon company at the end of the day. That's what we suggest. No. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's even good strategy for your exit from behind the chair too. just like slowly stepping back 
pushing up your other service writers saying like, look, who's number one and two, and I'm only three, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they're doing amazing. I'm just, you know, moonwalking out of this situation. Yeah. Right. And that's it. Right. And, and I think it alleviates a lot of stress too. So that way, you know, if something bad happens in the salon company or you get hurt, God forbid, mm -hmm. you know, you have other mm -hmm. people that can support you in your team. You don't have to be the number one in our case. It, it creates more work-life balance. You know, especially you always got to ask yourself, you know, if you were to take four weeks off, could the salon survive without you? And, and if mm -hmm. you're heart of hearts, your answer is no, then you really got to reevaluate your business practices. Yeah. As far as a summer salon, so. Yeah, well, and that's really funny because I, I have two really good friends, best friends, actually. They both opened salons not that long ago. And I remember the first time both of them like stepped away for a week or two and they were just like freaking out, just like, is it the business going to be okay? And I was like, you are good business people. Like you have a system in place, you have managers and you have lead stylists and you have like all these things in place that are your, your businesses are going to be fine enough. Obviously after the week was done, they were like, oh, I bet you I could probably even turn my phone off. And their teams are so good that they didn't even purposely didn't contact them. Right. Whenever for the first uh, first couple times they stepped away to go do other things. And it's just, it's cool to watch that happen. And it's cool to watch a business thrive in that direction. A hundred percent, right? At the end of the day, like one of our big core principles is passing it on. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you can't have that kind of flexibility, like why are you doing that? You know, why are we doing this to ourselves? It's already hard enough to be a salon owner. So you got to have good programs and systems in place and be on purpose. You know, when you can start with, keep with your, stay on your why and be on purpose, it's a very magical thing. And it, and it's an easier transition in less than 18 months, Blake, we sold our salon, sold our house, moved four states away and kind of started over. If I didn't have good programs and systems in place, or if my wife didn't trust me to, to make that big move because she's such a creature of habit. So this was all new to her. So she was just kind of really relying on me to making sure that this would be a, a good, smart move for us. And I can only do that by having a good support system, good programs, and a good team that I knew was going to be well taken care of. Yeah. Th thank you for that transition. Cause I, I want to talk about that now. Like, how did you make sure that you as a family, you and your wife and your child that make sure that you were in a good position to make that jump. Because I think there are, are people listening who are like, you know what, I do want to move closer to family or I do just want to move to a different part of the country because I, I don't want to live where I live now. How do you kind of prepare yourself to, to make the move? You know, I, that's a great question. You know, you can plan, 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 but at the end of the day, you got to overcome that fear there's always going to be a little bit of risk involved. So mm -hmm. one of my favorite quotes is your true happiness is on the other side of fear. Mm -hmm. Right. And you, at the end of the day, when it comes to big decisions like that, you have to be prepared. And, you know, unfortunately in this time and era, it's really about saving your money and having a plan. We, we saved for, you know, like I said, we had it on the market for a full year. As soon as we made a decision, I started saving money. I, I was getting too old to hire my best friends to, for pizza and beer to move. So I knew I was going to have to have a moving company. I was going to have to have movers <laughs> to pack everything up. And of course, my wife has a full closet full of clothes that took two days to just pack up. So, you know, planning all those things and the expense and then making sure that you have a little bit of reserves for any kind of hiccups that are on the way. Just being on purpose and coming in with the plan. I saved, we, we saved for that full year to you know, make sure that we thought when we move, that we're going to find a good place to live. One of the things, you know, when you start a family, you have to look at when you find a house, it's not just your favorite house. It has to have a good school district. 
things of that nature. So you just have to do a lot of research, but you just have to get over that fear and execute. If that's where your happiness is, we just want to be closer to family. We wanted to host Christmas. We wanted to start hosting Thanksgiving because, you know, in our industry, it's, it's tough to do that. Sometimes we just took that leap of faith and we overcame our fear and said, this is what we want. And we haven't regretted this decision at all. Do we miss the, the hustle and bustle of salon ownership? Absolutely. Like there's time and time again, where I, I do think about our team and making sure that they are successful and seeing them on social media and they're doing very, very well. So I, I'm really proud of them. And I'm definitely proud of our decision that we did take that leap of faith. We overcame our fear to really try to find our true happiness. That's really cool to hear because I think it, it can be so scary and it, it is about like, it sounds like it's about financial preparedness, but also emotional preparedness. And then also the part that is jumping off the cliff and just going for it when you know that those pieces, like not being reckless about the decision, but just knowing that, that you need to make that decision yeah. sometime, you know? Yep. That's it. Absolutely right. Right. You got a plan, you got to execute. And at the end of the day, just take that leap of faith. You know, sometimes again, like that, that's why when I feel fear in my heart, I just think, is this going to really, truly bring me happiness? Mm -hmm. You know, is going to, if it's going to help me grow, then I need to take that next step. Right. Cause if, if we're not growing, we're dying at the end of the day, if we're not learning and we're not, you know, trying to challenge ourselves and trying to win the day, then, then what are we doing? You know, wh yeah. why, why can't we be happy, you know, at the end of the day? Yeah. So. Your wife, Amanda, is she behind the chair now? So we moved to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, a okay. little suburb called Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Yeah. Broken so Arrow. she is in a, uh, a great salon. She's has a great salon family now. I mean, we're, we're visiting our family every single weekend. I'm doing this full time. I'm part of the social media team with you. Mm -hmm. I also do some SES coaching on the side mm -hmm. and you know, What's great about Summit is we practice what we preach when we're trying to find happiness. I can do this from anywhere in the United States and I, and I love what I do every day. So Yeah. And I, I just love that because you're a perfect example of what us millennials are all about, which is just, we want to have balance with our families and we want balance with work and you don't have to subscribe to what people have done before. Like I, I can't even tell you how many salons I've met that just seem miserable because they've, you know, committed to a life that they really don't want. So I just think it's very admirable that you and your family have been able to do that. And I love that your, your wife has made a lovely home at another salon as a service provider. And I think former salon owners are one of two things. They are either the worst employee you'll ever have because they'll try <laughs> owning the salon as a stylist, or they're the best because they've been an employee. And I know for a fact that Amanda's just the, the best employee ever, but I think yeah. that that's, that's amazing. So yeah. what is in the future? for your family? That's a great question. You know, you, we do have a bug in, in the back of our heads of possibly owning another salon in the future. It just has to be on purpose. It doesn't need to be forced and pushed. I think our first, it worked out for the best, but it was kind of a forced situation where some things were a little bit rushed and you know, not executed hundred percent. So we, you know, I, I feel like there might be something in the future with that, but we would definitely want, you know, more of a partnership, not just me and my wife. That way there's kind of a a third and fourth that can give us some feedback and, you know, who knows? I mean, I think the sky's the limit when you have your core values in place, it's just at the, it's, it's up to you. Like, what do you want to do for the next step? I love this industry with all my heart. I mean, honestly, Blake, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I'd be in this industry, I would have throw punched you. Yeah. I laughed in your <laughs> face. Right. But there's not a day that goes by that, you know, when we made that decision on our kitchen table, you know, almost. Gosh, almost 10 years ago, 
that we were going to open up a salon company. And then I'm talking to you on this awesome podcast. You know, I, I'm very blessed and I don't, I hope I don't take it for granted. And I truly try to live my best life. I know that's kind of overstated, but you got to do what makes you happy and you, mm -hmm. you got to find your purpose because you, you, you'll start creating animosity and it's just human nature. If you don't stick to your core values and reevaluate, you know, your why, what, mm -hmm. what makes you tick? So that's major. If you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice during the selling process, particularly, what would that advice be? Honestly, probably have more le leadership in place. I think mm -hmm. uh, we were truly blessed to get a salon manager when we did to help prolong that process of selling the salon. If I could do one more thing, I would have more of a leadership team in place that we could have reached out sooner to instead of possibly looking at outside people to own the salon. So if I would do anything, I'd just start delegating more of our leadership responsibilities to other team members so they see the value in that and then you can ask them to be shareholders sooner. That's some amazing advice. So Chad, you have so much insight and I think that it would be really wise for someone who's listening that's really thinking about selling their salon company to get some coaching, particularly from someone who has done it. Or if you just like Chad's vibe and you're like, I want to do be my coach. You know, Chad does self-employed stylist coaching, social media coaching, as well as traditional salon coaching. So how can um, everyone get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can reach me on my email. It's just cfass, F-A-A-S-S, -S, at summitsalon.com. My Instagram is just my first and last name, just Chad Foss. And yeah, I would be more than willing to answer any questions that anybody has. But, you know, I think just to sum it up, you know, you got to have patience. Make sure that you're a profitable company and then get that evaluation done. So you take that emotional attachment to your salon company and either know that you are where you're at, where you need to be, or you need to, you know, really hustle for the next year to two years to get that salon company to the valuation that you desire it to be at. Awesome. And for our final question, uh, Chad, what is happiness to you? Happiness is my family, you know, just being a part of their lives, being in the moment and making sure you're there for them at the end of the day. That's my happiness. My little guy, he's so stinking smart. It's, it's getting pretty scary. So that's my happiness. That's amazing to hear. Well, Chad, thank you so much for your time. Everyone, make sure you go give Chad a follow and hit him up if you have any questions. Get signed up for some coaching with him because the conversations I've had with you, Chad, are just, it's awesome. And thank you for everything that you're, you're bringing to this industry. Time to sum up the three big takeaways. If you are ever thinking it's time for you to sell the salon one it's a hard decision it's not easy to sell your salon and it shouldn't be you've poured your heart and soul into this and lots and lots of work chad and his family had a great reason to sell really think about why you want to sell the salon and figure out what will work for you two how much does it sell for with your professional life tied to your salon, selling can totally be emotional, but you probably shouldn't be emotional when putting it on the market. Chad says, get a financial evaluation. Don't sugarcoat it. No one wants to buy a business that doesn't make any money, honey. Be realistic about that. A salon, like anything, is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Three, how do you close up shop and keep your current employees happy? 
I talked about the moonwalk away for the business, but you don't have to be sneaky about it. Have systems in place that someone else can take over easily, where the team you've hired keep things going on their own. The smoother everything runs, the less work for a new owner, and that makes it a lot easier to sell the salon and spend more time with your family or whatever else it is that you want to do. You do you. This episode of Sum It Up was produced by Amy Walters and Andrea Moraskin with editorial support from Tim Fisk. I'm your host, Blake Reed Evans. Now, if you've gained something from this episode, please share it with someone and pass on the learning. We would be honored if you just took a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more people. And if you're a Spotify user, you can give us a rating on Spotify too. Now, if you're looking for more opportunities to grow and connect, visit us at summitsalon.com join our Facebook group, Summit Salon Community, or follow us on Instagram at Summit Salon. You and I can connect together at Blake Reed Evans. My DMs are always open. Be well, friend, and talk soon. Thank you so much for listening.